0: Welcome to Willard Church of the Nazarene. We're glad you're here. We can't wait to share the service with you. But we are here to dedicate Timothy Matthew O'Neill Collins, right? And congratulations, guys. You guys want to come up? You can show off your baby. Eddie, would you come down too? And... Uh, I'll ask you to grab them. But in Jeremiah, we we learned something amazing. We learned that God knew us, right, before we were even born. Not only did he know us, but he has a purpose for us, something that he's called us to do. And I hope you find your purpose. Um, uh, So he fashions us. He creates us for that purpose. And we see this awesome, young, amazing young man here. The Bible also tells us that these children are gifts from God, and that's how we see them, right? We are responsible for that. Psalm one twenty seven tells us that. And these parents want to dedicate their son to Christ, so that's what we're going to be doing today. Uh, this is an amazing picture of what we see in, with uh, Samuel, right? When his mom dedicates uh, their their boy. To Christ, And that's what we want to do here today. And before we dedicate Timothy, Matthew, O'Neill, Collins, right, I want to share some responsibilities and remind you as parents and you as church family of what our responsibilities are. All right? God commands parents to teach their children to know about him and to encourage them to follow him, Psalm 78. In Deuteronomy 6, parents are told to teach their kids the word of God and to impress that on them. You can do that by buying those little Bible devotionals, those kids' stories. Man, I loved reading those stories. Uh, I'd fall asleep half the time when I was doing that, but I loved reading those Bible stories to our kids. You can take them to church, right? It's seriously a big responsibility, but I know you guys got this. He also gives you grandparents and family to help you. I wish Tim was here, right? I wish he was here. Uh, He also gives you a church family. To. And if you let us, we'll help you in this walk. Amen. We'll help you with this young man, all right? So that's what we're trying. It's time to dedicate this young man. It's my privilege to be a part of that. And um, do you know where the flower is? Yeah, no. All right. So normally we have a flower, and I, I just forgot that I, I didn't bring it. So that, that's okay. Can I have them? All right. Oh my goodness. Yes. All right. All right. Oh, waking you up, huh? Yeah. You are good. It's been a while since I've held a baby. This is. Don't get ideas. All right. <laughs> but it is my privilege, Timothy Matthew O'Neill Collins, to dedicate you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Eddie, would you take him? Yeah.
1: Amen.
0: We want to give you all a, a good picture of that. And then when she comes back, we're going to pray over the family. I'm going to ask you to, to join in this. And I'm going to ask you too, uh, if you are committing to helping them, being willing to help them, uh, I want you to pray along with me. If you're not willing, don't, don't pray. Okay? But we'll be here for you guys and help you on this journey. And anything you need, all right? We'll wait till they get back. <laughs> He's waving.
1: All right. Oh, all right. Eyes wide open.
0: We we'll just stretch out a hand if you want to join us. Father, we thank you for this young man, Lord. Lord, we pray that he would come to know you that he would come to know a God who loves him, who died on a cross for him, who wants to have a relationship with him. Father, I pray that he would give his life to you. Lord, I pray that, that he would give every area of his life to you and follow you all the days of his life. Lord, I pray for his parents. I pray that you would be with them. I pray that you'd give them strength. I pray that you'd give them wisdom. I pray that you'd give them endurance, Lord, as as the the pressures of raising a kid get greater and greater in our time and day. Would you go with them, Lord, and watch over them? Would you give them the ideas on how to do it? Lord, would you give them uh, a reminder of your grace when they screw up? Lord, would you help us as a church family to be there for them? Would you help us to love on these two? Lord, to be there whatever they need and to walk with them in this endeavor. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Amen.
1: I love you, Lord.
0: do me a favor, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 128. We're going to be in Psalm 128 today. I don't know if you know this, but Psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament of the Bible. The gospel are full of quotes from the Psalms. Jesus often quoted from it. In fact, when he was hanging on the cross, he quoted from it. Side note, the speaker at family camp that Sharon was talking about used a different psalm each week, and it was really good, really amazing. And uh, much to my chagrin, he actually had the psalms memorized when he did them. So I unfortunately do not have this. But Psalm 128, if you wanted to memorize psalms, this is a good one because it's a, a shorter one and easier to memorize. All right, this psalm tells us how to build a family that can withstand storms. And just last year, 1 in 10 homes were damaged by extreme weather. Could have been a a tree falling, hitting a house. Could have been high winds. We've had some major rain events. I remember with Texas. Do you remember what happened in Texas where it snowed and people were without power for a long time, for days? Just a a little while ago, it was hailing at our house. I don't know if you experienced that, but we experienced some of that. Acts of God, that's how we describe these events, did $56.9 billion in damage last year. And when it comes to severe weather, I'm reminded of the frailty of our civilization. When, you, when you're getting hit by a storm, you know, you can be in a house or, or something, but you can still feel that frailty. And that's just the physical storms, right? There's other storms that come up in life where they can just flip you upside down. We're uh, sitting next to a pastor. And they were telling us how their kid at six years old went blind. And I'm trying to think about how you would process that. And uh, uh, my heart went out to them, what they were dealing with. People can get a diagnosis though, right? Cancer. People can lose a job. People can be on the wrong end of some horrible events. You can be sailing along and all of a sudden just bam, something hits, right? You run into something. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about the wise and foolish builders. He said that the thing that determines how a family does or, or even just how a person does when the storms hit is determined by what kind of foundation they have in their life. What kind of foundation... Is in place. There's always a news story of uh, some amazing home or some amazing business and they show pictures of it and it looks just incredible. It's on Instagram or, or Pinterest and then all of a sudden some storm or some sinkhole happens. And before you know it, the, the, the Corvette Museum has Corvettes that have fallen through the floor and are laying on the ground, right? Some, some major thing happens because the foundation wasn't just right wasn't set many of the lives that we look at on social media right they look pretty amazing we secret, secretly wish that we had these lives but many of those aren't built on a solid foundation and they're one storm away from something crazy happening how many times do we see somebody in sports who we think has it all somebody in the entertainment industry that we think has it all and something happens to them and all of a sudden their life just implodes and they're in jail or something else is going on. Foundations are huge. Jesus, Matthew, said in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference in these two situations? Foundation, right? But what makes the foundation? Did you catch it? Because we can know a lot of Bible. We can come to church a lot. But we can have a bad foundation. There's more to it, right, that we read in there. It takes putting these things into practice and doing them in order to have that strong foundation that will weather the storms of life. Let me say this again, right? Some of us know a lot of Bible. Right? We've been in church for 20 years, 40 years. And we can still be tossed back and forth by the storms because we don't have a solid foundation because we don't put it into practice. It's more than just knowing. We have to put it into practice. Are we benefiting from that firm foundation? I was talking to somebody and we were wondering, why doesn't God do the things that we think he should be doing and act in a certain way, right? We were, we were thinking about that. We were talking about that. And we realized, oh, he, he's actually given us a plan for that and we're just not following the plan sometimes I'm a little slow but if we don't do what he calls us to do we shouldn't be surprised when it doesn't happen like we think it should happen right? don't ignore what God's word says and then wonder why it doesn't come to be the way we think it should yes you have to know the plan but you also have to follow the plan you can know the bible and still be tossed around you can know jesus died for you on a cross and still be on your way to hell you have to accept that gift of grace you have to follow him likewise you can know god's word follow the plan be doing the things that you should be doing and that won't mean that it will keep the storms away Right? Sometimes that's some of the gospel, some of the American gospel that's passed around. If you just follow Jesus, everything will be okay. You won't have to worry about the storms, just have enough faith. We know that's a lie, right? The storms will still come, but you'll have a foundation to weather them. That's the key. That passage in Matthew chapter 7, what we call the, the parable of the builders, right? Many theologians believe that that's the passage that Jesus was thinking about Or he's thinking about, actually, he got from Psalm 128. And that's what we want to look at. Today, and I think next week, I want to focus on homes and families. I believe that God wants our homes to be built on rock and not sand. I want that for mine. I want that for my kids. I want you to sincerely want that for your homes and your families. I want you to realize that you can set an example for your family to follow that will impact generations. That's what's at stake here. I want you to realize it's not too late. Your kids might be out, but you can still start setting that example if you haven't been. We live in one of the most confused, (laughs) distorted societies, right? A day when culture bases bases truth off of feelings and whatever we want truth to be, believe, and not out of God's word. Get this right, right? There are blessings for people who walk in his ways. I'm not health and wealth. I'm talking foundations. There's blessings in a firm foundation that can help you weather the storms. Psalm 128, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? beginning of verse 1 blessed are all those who fear the Lord who walk in his ways you eat the fruit of your labor blessings and prosperity will be yours your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house your sons will be like olive shoots around your table thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem and may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we would, we would just imagine you saying it directly to us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Lord, nobody's interested in a preacher's commentary. We want to hear the Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Soften our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our ears, Lord. Help us to apply what we hear so that we can have a firm foundation. Lord, we love you and we give you praise. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you notice in your Bibles, this this one is a psalm of ascent. What is a psalm of ascent? They are the Psalms 120 through 134. There's 15 of these psalms. A the pastor this weekend said that psalms of ascent were sung while the priests were going up the steps of the temple. They would take a step, sing a song, psalm. They would take another step, sing the next psalm. I'd never heard that before. What I, what I learned was that they were typically also sung on the way to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was built on a hilltop. So as you were ascending, you would sing these songs on your path. Think of road trip song, right? If you're as old as me, you, when you got ready to go on a road trip, you, you made your tape, right? You made a tape. You, I don't know about you, but I didn't have one of those fancy two cassette tapes, so I couldn't just pick the songs that I wanted in there. I had to wait till it played on the radio, and then catch it just right. And it, it never started off just in time, so I was always a little bit behind. And then they made this CD thing, though, and you could burn CDs, and it was great. How many of you did that? Anybody make your road tape? Those were the days, right? There was nothing. Listen, you kids, I'm sorry. You kids, you got your playlists, I know. There was nothing like burning a CD or making that tape. There was nothing like rolling the windows down and driving stick, Right? <laughs> You guys can't even probably get a vehicle that you can drive that's standard anymore, and I feel bad for you. There's nothing like that, though. Could you imagine Jesus and disciples on a road trip? And they would sing this psalm as they were traveling to one of the three pilgrim feasts. These were three feasts on the calendar that God wanted all the Israelites to get together and party, right, to have this feast and to celebrate, to travel to Jerusalem. And they would sing these psalms of ascent while they were traveling there. Side note, people think God's boring. I used to when I was a teenager, when I was a young person in my early 20s. I just thought God was just somebody that wanted to take all my fun away, right? But man, he was always having the people celebrate. It was a part of the, what they were called to do. They always had these feasts, these times where you would get together with family and friends and community and just celebrate God It was a great time. And on the way there, he had a playlist for you to sing. Boring, I don't think so. Jesus chose to say that the kingdom of God is like a wedding party. Who doesn't like going to a wedding party, right? They're fun. So fun that we have this phenomenon nowadays where people crash them that don't even know the wedding party, right? It's a thing to do. Kind of getting off track. Psalm 128, let me lay this outline summary for you. Here it is. The best thing that you and I can do for this world is to have a strong and healthy family. The best thing that you, can do, you and I can do for our family is to have a strong and healthy marriage. And the best thing that you and I can do for our marriages is, is to have strong and healthy walks where we fear the Lord and follow his ways get this this is my response in my head when I see another school shooting or something similar like that our culture's response is to pass a law pass another rule outlaw something but I think the world's broken what can we do for that Our culture is broken. What can we do to fix that? Well, strong and healthy families would be huge. What can I do for my family? Well, strong and healthy marriages would be huge. Well, what can I do for my marriages to encourage that? Well, strong and healthy walk. Following Christ. That can help out that. The psalm says the ramifications and ripples of that starts with a person who fears the Lord and walks in His ways. What does that lead to? You'll eat the labor of your hands and be happy. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine and your children will be like olive shoes. We'll talk about that maybe next week a little bit more. And then goes on to say that we'll have an impact on our community and peace will come to our nation. That's something that can send shockwaves through our world. School shootings hit me hard. Probably because I mentor kids in school. I get that privilege, right? I was a youth pastor probably because I have kids in school. Here's what I know, though. Fatherless, broken homes are linked to nearly every school shooting. Did you hear that? Fatherless, broken homes are linked to every, nearly every school shooting. And my friends, we have an epidemic with fatherless homes today. We strengthen families. We can stop, stop school shootings. At least have a big impact on them. John Phillips put it this way. The welfare of the state, the nation, depends on the welfare of the home. The welfare of the home depends on the spiritual condition of the head of the home. And an unspiritual father will often produce unsaved children. And unsafe children will build an unstable state. I'll let you in on a little secret. This series and his... This series in his Is an attempt to provoke the men of this church to get serious and start following God. I want us to see it that it's our responsibility to put our families on firm foundations. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you don't have kids. You can be a mentor. Maybe you're a single mom and you don't have that dad in your life. You can do this too. My mom did this, my mom set us on a firm foundation. But I don't want to call the men because our society has just given us a different message. It's you guys. It's our responsibility, first and foremost. Ladies, I don't want you to be discouraged. Like I said, you can do an amazing job. Some of you have to do that, but it shouldn't be that way. Our culture wants to focus in on guns, but that won't solve the problem. Take a look at Japan. Somebody made a gun in their garage or guns are illegal and they, choose, they turn to stabbings. England can't have access to guns. Somebody takes a car, plows into people with it. I know that in this room we do not agree on gun control and what should be done. I know it. You, don't, you may not agree with me. Here's what I hope, though, that we can agree on. I hope that we can agree on that. If we can change hearts, we can change outcomes, no matter what they are. My friends, that's our call. That's our call as followers of Jesus Christ. We are called to introduce people to him and let him flip people upside down and change hearts from the inside out. Where does it start? It starts with a healthy fear of God and walking in his ways. Both the apostles Peter and Solomon talked about this. Wisest person who ever lived, both said the same thing. You got to fear God. Doesn't sound very appealing, right? You got to fear God. Proverbs 19:23 says, "The fear of the Lord leads to life." And the person that fears the Lord is content and unfazed by trouble. Sound pretty good? Content need that more and more today and unfazed by trouble. What does it mean to fear God? Well, there's a bad fear and a good fear. Let me tell you about the bad fear, right? Hairy spiders. I hate hairy spiders, especially if they crawl in your mouth while you're sleeping. (laughs) I heard about an alarm clock. Somebody posted this on Facebook. that said alarm clocks that release spiders when they go off. That would wake people up. That would wake me up. I I am not for that, right? Or centipedes. I, I think I'm even... More creeped out by centipedes nowadays, especially the hairy ones. Not the big fat ones, little hairy ones, though. Public speaking. Being in a really tight space and you can't move. I hate that, right? Snakes if you're Eddie. <laughs> or you know what's really creepy? And I shouldn't say this, but coming to this church at night and being all alone in a dark sanctuary. That's creepy. Right? I was talking to Nathan and he agreed with me. Those are bad fears. And some people mistakenly that type of fear of what we should have with God. That's not it though. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, seven. So when we talk about a spirit of fear or that kind of terror that's not from God, instead we have to have a holy fear. What does that mean to fear the Lord? I believe it means to understand who God is, to have a real image of who God is, to give him the respect and the honor that he's due. Yes, he is someone that we can approach, right? But he is also a being of unimaginable power. You ever experienced lightning and thunder up close? You ever sitting there having a conversation with somebody and you see the flash and then the thunder hits And when I say the thunder hits, the thunder hits, right? I don't know about you, but I stop mid-sentence. I start to assess some things. Am I in a good place, right? Do I need to, to move? Lightning and thunder hits, you'll be reminded really fast. It can melt you or explode you. Check this verse out. I fell before him as though dead. That's John speaking in Revelation. John, the beloved apostle who had seen the risen Lord. John, the apostle who rested his head on Jesus Christ. He gets a glimpse into the throne room of God. And he says, I fell before him as though dead. I talked about this last week or maybe a week before when God told Moses to get the people ready. He says, get the people ready. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to come down to the mountain. I'm going to talk to them. And then God does that. He comes down to the mountain, and he speaks to them. And what happens to the people? They trembled. I don't remember the last time I've trembled. But they trembled in fear when God spoke to them. And they said, Moses, please don't ever let that happen again. You go talk to God, and you just tell us what he says, and we'll do whatever you tell us to do, right? That's the seriousness. That's the, the weight of God. I have felt the glory of God, and it has brought me to my knees. But I pray that we have a fresh sense of who God really is. We are so casual and so flippant when it comes to God. God's my homie. I've, I've said, and I've heard said, God's going to have some explaining to do when I get up there. Oh no, He won't. Because I'll be on my face as though dead. We have to have a proper perspective about God both ways. John, who saw the throne room and had trouble coming up with words to describe what he saw on one hand, but also leading back and rested on Jesus at the Last Supper. C.S. Lewis, I love his image of God in the Chronicles of Narnia. He describes God as a lion, right? Aslan. One hand, powerful. Warrior, right? Who, Who makes you feel safe because he's so powerful. On the other hand, he points a picture of the kids actually playing with this lion. That's the picture of God. Omnipotence, And a whisper, right? Majesty and meekness. A lion of the tribe of Judah who prevails. And I also looked out and saw a lamb that appeared to be slain. That's our Lord. That's our God, right? What is the fear of the Lord? It's a realization. That Jesus Christ spoke to stars and planets into existence. Have you ever seen the pictures? Have you seen the pictures coming from the James Webb telescope that they've just started releasing here recently? Millions of miles away, sending back pictures, and we're getting to see that from the far reaches of our cosmos. And this is what he spoke into existence. The realization that that same Jesus was willing to package himself in human form, to be born in humble circumstances, to serve people that would reject him and die even though he did nothing wrong, just so that you and I could be redeemed. Because we screwed up. It's a revelation of both those things. I think a revelation that will live to a, lead to a different Christian life, Christian experience, that one that we don't see today. The idea that, you know, I can just do what I want now, ignore God, do, do my own thing, and just ask for forgiveness later. I can keep on just ignoring Him, partying, value what I want to value. And every once in a while, go to church, Splash some holy water on myself and ask for forgiveness, and I'm good. No, my friends. That's not the way to do it. Stand at the foot of the cross. Look up at your dripping, bleeding Savior who has all the power, right, of lightning and thunder in his eyes, but he chose to stay there because he loved you. Look at the one who ashamed and ridiculed and despised like no person should be. Look at our Lord who suffered until his heart gave out bursting. And blood and water came out when a spear went through his rib cage. Listen to him. Say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Listen to him say, it's finished. I think this realization is what leads to a holy fear of the Lord. Get this my fear is not that he's going to strike me down. That's not my fear. My fear is that we would be given such an enormous love and somehow treat that lightly, like it was just another small gift and go on doing what I want to do because I can just ask for forgiveness later. That's how some of us are living. I want to have a Romans 12.1 kind of fear that in light of God's mercies, in light of what He's done, we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, right? I want to offer my life to God today. Use me as you want to. You want to send me somewhere? Call me. You want me to speak to someone? Give me an opportunity. You want me to give my money, my time? You got it. I'll be happy to do that because my Savior did far more for me and my friends, I did not deserve any of it. I did not deserve any of it of that grace that's been given to me? The answer is yes to whatever, Lord, you ask of me. The right fear of the Lord leads to walking in his ways because you want to, not because you have to. Religion is because you have to. Grace and relationship is because you're so grateful you want to. He's flipped your life upside down. Master, Lord, whatever you want, I will lay that thing down. I will give it to you. I'll do it happily, not begrudgingly. Oh, I have to give? No, I want to give. That's why we put the offering plates in the back. You want to give? Great. I want to give so I can participate in what God's doing. Not just of money, but of time, of my talents. I get to use them to invest in the eternal. The eternal. I get to see people come to know Christ. I get to see people's lives changed upside down, flipped upside down, and there's nothing better than that and being a part of that. That's why we're here. The holy fear of God leads to walking in his ways, and it's great. Not only is it great, but on top of that, God says in the Psalms that we read just in the beginning, there's blessings that come from it. He literally says that if you fear God, you'll eat the labor of your hands, right? Because fearing God is going to change how you work. You're not going to cut corners. You're, not going to, you're going to work with integrity. You're going to be not going to be lazy. You're going to be an example. You're going to eat the labor of your hands. I never planted a garden. I never planted a garden that made it, I should say. I think I planted some gardens that just died. But I imagine seeing other people's gardens that that's pretty amazing to see the Fruits of your labor. To see all that hard work that goes into it. And when it comes up, if you do this, if you fear him and walk in, his way, walk in his ways, you'll see that same thing. It won't come right away. You don't plant a garden and then immediately see stuff popping up that you can pull off. It'll come in time though and you'll be blessed. You'll eat the fruit of your labor, and and you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you, one translation says. Read the book of Proverbs, amazing principles in all areas of life, finances, parenting, etc., for those who fear and walk in obedience. I can't predict the future. I don't know what gas prices are going to go. I don't know what inflation's going to do. I don't know about the next natural disaster that's coming. I don't know if you're going to get the dreaded diagnosis. I don't know any of those things. But I know if you follow Jesus, you'll have a firm foundation. Amen. Isaiah 43, check this out. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. He knows your name, your mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Amen? That's the truth if you follow him. Even the valley of the shadow of death, right? You'll be able to pass through. Who else in the world can give you that? What else in the world can give you that? Can money? Nothing. Nothing. Who else can say? Oh, even if you die, it is well with my soul. There's a blessing on your family. Here's something: your family starts before you ever kids before you ever have kids. You ever notice that? Right when a couple gets married, they're like, oh, "In about three years, we're gonna start a family." No, you already started a family when the two became one. You started a family. It's important because sometimes when people think that a family comes when the kid is born, sometimes that family orientates themselves around that kid. That's not a good path, right? Have your family orientate around Jesus Christ. Let him be the center, and your kid will be blessed more than if you make them the center. The family is impacted as we follow God and fear him. And there's more that I hope we look at in the coming week or two, but I want to end with this. This is something that's about C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you know this, but he wasn't married till he's 60. Married a woman named Joy Davidson. He never thought or had even the slightest notion that he'd see this in life. Please let that speak to somebody. He never thought he'd have that And God brought that into his life. And I want to talk about a fruitful vine in your home. That's what he experienced. Two years later, though, she died. That of cancer, which invaded her body. In response, he wrote a book called A Grief Observed, and that's where I found this quote, A Grief Observed. It's an honest, dark book about how it felt, thought that God had abandoned him in his moment of need. And he gave God all his raw feeling, raw emotion, and then he found strength and healing and turned a corner in his outlook. But in it, he gives this powerful description of his marriage. Again, a marriage that only lasted two years. Check this out. It was like PG-13, a little bit. I'm just going to warn you, all right? Not really. We feasted on love, every mode of it, solemn and merry, romantic and realistic, sometimes as dramatic as a thunderstorm, sometimes comfortable and unemphatic as putting on soft slippers. She was my pupil and my teacher, my subject and my sovereign, my trusty comrade, my friend, my shipmate, my fellow soldier, my mistress, but at the same time, all that any man friend has ever been to me. My friends, when you're fearing god and walking in his ways that becomes the starting point for an amazing marriage it's a starting point for wives how do i treat my husband husbands how do i treat my wife my kids you can see what a dramatic impact that would have right ephesians 5:21 says Tells husbands and wives to submit to no one another in what? In the fear of the Lord. You single people? You want to look, you want to know what you should look at and who you marry? Does this person fear the Lord? Does this person walk in his ways? You make that first and foremost, I guarantee you it's going to set you up Well. Number one most important thing, does this person fear God and does that translate to walking in his ways? If it does, you're going to have a fruitful vine in your house and some little offshoots around your table. I don't want you just to know about God. I want us to follow him. Will you commit to doing that today in all your ways? That's the question that you need to wrestle with right now. And I pray that the Holy Spirit is laying that on your heart. I pray that you take everything and surrender it to him. That's what we're called to do, man. That's when God really changed my life. And it's a daily call ever since then, where some days I haven't and some days I have. It's a daily call to surrender everything to him. I know you might be thinking, I don't know. I don't want to lay that down. It'll be worth it. I guarantee you. You might not see it right away in that garden, but that fruit will come and it'll be worth it. You might think, man, I just keep falling though. Fall towards Him. Fall towards the cross. Let Him pick you up. Let Him use an amazing church filled with family members to pick you up and to walk with you arm in arm, right? Don't, don't face these things alone. You got people that love you in here. People will walk with you. Give somebody permission to tell you when you're going to trip or when it looks like you're going to trip. Give somebody permission to speak that into your life. And if somebody does give you that permission to point out, hey, I don't know about the direction you're heading, right? Do it with a whole lot of grace. That's what we're called to do. I want us to do that for each other. I want us to do it, I want us to speak truth, but I want to soak it in grace, right? I want you to fear him and follow him with everything. I want that. I want that for your spouse. I want that for your future spouse. I want you, that for your kids. I want you to set you up for generations to come. Amen? Amen. You stand with me. Some of you, I'm sure the Holy Spirit's leading you in that question and asking you to lay something down. Make that choice. Yay or nay. Don't run from it. Make that choice. And if you don't know Christ, would you look to the cross and be reminded that you have a God and a Savior that loved you enough to come down to this earth, to serve mankind, and to die for you so that we could be atoned for so that our sins could be forgiven. And all it takes in order for that to happen is for you to believe in Him and follow Him. you got to accept that gift. Here's the gift that's offered. Hey, forgiveness. Forgiveness for your sins. you got to admit that you screwed up. you got to accept that, grip, that gift and then you got to follow Him. You can't just know it Knowing it will not result in you being in relationship with him. You got to follow him. You got to accept it. He gives you the right to become his son or daughter. That's the choice before you. And I pray you do. And I pray if you've done that, I pray that you say, Here's my life. I'm going to follow you with everything. Sanctify me, set me apart. Remove the things that I don't want to do and replace them with your things, Lord. And I pray you follow him the rest of your life. It'll be the most exciting adventure that you've ever been on. I guarantee it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, here we are. Father, I pray some decisions would be made today. Lord, And if I pray, I pray if somebody makes that decision, I pray that they'd let me know so that I can pray for them. Lord, don't let pride get in the way. Don't let anything get in the way. Show us our foolishness. Lord, if somebody doesn't know you, I pray that they pray right now and ask for forgiveness. Pray that they give you praise and thank you for the free gift. Thank you for dying on a cross for them. And Father, I pray that they'd pray a prayer that says help me to live this life help me to follow you and lord i pray that they would plug themselves into a church lord would you show people that they're given gifts and talents and that they're needed to reach this community father would you help us to be serious about being a part of this church lord church isn't something you attend Church is something that you're a part of to impact a community, to share each other's burdens. Lord, I pray if there's some burdens in here, Lord, I pray that you'd give them one person, at least one person to share those burdens with. And I pray that we'd stand arm in arm. I pray we'd lock roots with each other and help each other. Lord, we love you. And we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.